0: And we've been talking about doing this for a while, and now we're finally doing it. So hopefully you guys will enjoy this video slash podcast feature here at Your Prep Sports. We, we threw around some, some names here, and, and we landed on uh, the Seven Nation podcast. Um, and the reasoning behind that is, and the other guy that you see on the screen is Ryan Merkin from Your Prep Sports. If you haven't seen him before at a game, you probably haven't i uh, been looking hard enough. Uh, we are, um, this is going to be a weekly podcast, and what we'll do is, um, and videocast, we will hit on the seven schools in the Your Prep Sports coverage area with a topic or an item on each of those schools. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if you're unaware, it's the Iowa City schools, uh, City High, West High, Liberty, Regina. Then we have West Branch, Solon, Clear Creek, and we're going to hit items, job, of, items of those every week um, and discuss certain items on them. We're going to try to do some other podcasts too, maybe previewing some games, but this is going to be kind of a review or a topic-based podcast video cast. Um, so hopefully you guys like this. It's something new. It's a new item here at your prep sports. And um, I'll let Ryan speak for a minute. Cause I'm blabbering here.
1: Yeah. No, we're, I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be really cool. <laughs> If you haven't seen myself out or Rob shooting photos, that means that we're doing a good job, right? Because we're supposed to be staying away <laughs> from people this year. So if you haven't seen me, it's because I'm I'm doing my best to be socially distant from everyone at games. I get
0: different. weird looks too because I have that that mask that you pull up from your neck and people right. are like, is this the, guy the trying to yeah. rob
1: me? <laughs> <laughs> like I just – it's been a hard transition for me because the people that, that do know me know – I love to go to games. I love to talk to people and stuff. And so it it really is like, and I've kind of tried to avoid some press boxes and I love all the people that are at the schools that that are up in the press box. You get to be friends with those people. You look forward to seeing them on Friday nights or hit volleyball or whatever. And I'm up in the corners of gyms now and like the very corners of the stands at at the bigger stadiums and stuff. So I'm the guy that's that looks like he's watching a high school game with a laptop on his, on his lap, trying not to get rained (laughs) on or, or drop my phone down underneath the bleachers, which I've already done once this year, so.
0: Hopefully, as this pandemic moves on and we, we, you know, it seems like we're making progress as we go along here, hopefully there'll be more fans in the stands and we can interact with people more. If you see either one of us at a game, just come up and say hi. We'd be happy to, to talk with you. Um, so, without further ado, um, it, it would have been great to do this earlier in the year if we could have gotten this together a little bit sooner, right. but we, we've gotten to the point where we're moving into the last week of the regular season for high school football and then the playoffs, so we're going to hit on some important stuff here uh, for the, you know for for us not getting it to getting to it earlier we're at least getting it at a, to, at a time where th- good things are happening right now, important things are happening
1: right this is the this is a great time of year for high school football, even on a pandemic-shortened season. You know, The only, the only problem is I feel like this is – I was just telling somebody the other day, I feel like this is the time of year that I really start to learn what we have with some of our area teams. And you, mm-hmm. you, you start to kind of feel like you have a good – or you have a good feel for what the teams that you cover are. This year, especially with the Iowa City Schools missing three weeks, it's like I don't, I don't have the same feel that I normally do. But at the same time, um, this is the most exciting time of the year for, for high school football. Um, even with that, normally it's, you're doing stories, you're breaking down every district scenario where, you know, who's in the playoffs, who's out, everybody's in this year. Um, so, but, but still it's that time of year where you get some new matchups in the playoffs. So that's, I think what people enjoy, especially about a year like this year where everybody's in, you're going to have some potentially interesting matchups right away
0: great points and it's going to be interesting to see how they we, we've kind of gotten some got received some hints on how this playoff thing's going to work and how it's going to look do you have any kind of idea how you think it's going to work with everybody being involved
1: it sounds like they're going to start it's it's you know everybody loves the bracket myself included right yeah. who doesn't like to get a nice bracket you know you think ncaa tournament style sure. and then you, you pencil in who you think is going to go to the end but it's going to be reseeded like they did a couple of years ago. It um, sounds like maybe a couple times. And this, I will say, in, for my from my standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. You know, especially in the pandemic year, it sounds like they're going to try to use geography as much as possible while separating teams. You know, by
0: yeah. by
1: record and, and things like that. But um, so I think they're going to try to do a couple. They'll start out and they'll put people in pods you know, so it sounds like pods of four. So you'll be able to say like, you know, these winners play. So you ha- you'll know who your next opponent is. Then they'll shuffle that up and do that again. And you'll be able to say like, you know, here's, here's, you know, we're, so we're down to X number of teams, these four are in a pod, these winners play, and they'll do that kind of out to, till we get teams in the dome, which is always, you know, the semifinals are always that final pod of four. So sounds like you're going to have to kind of look at it as like, Three mini tournaments, yeah. you know, with, within each, or a bunch of mini tournaments of three within each class. But there's still a lot to figure out there, or, or for them to, you know, release there. There's going to have to be buys um, as you get from, you know, in a class with 54 teams or whatever. Ultimately, you're trying to get down to that number like 32, 16, mm-hmm. you know, for what used to be the first round, quarterfinals, semifinals, et cetera. So you got to figure out how they're going to do that as far as is it going to be like, you know, fourth place team from one district playing fourth place, fifth place team from another district, or how are they going to do that early? And be interesting to see how all, how all that plays out because what would be week nine or week eight, excuse me, the first week of the playoffs after the week after the seven week regular season. I think there will be a lot of like games. You know, those first couple weeks, um, which is fun. I think for kids when you have teams that are similar, you know, everybody thinks of that as the semifinals, two nine and O teams or whatever, but I just think it's fun for kids when you have two teams that are really evenly matched to play. And that's ultimately what this is about, right? Is watching those kids have a chance to compete again. I keep saying this, but especially on a year like this, when two months ago, nobody had any idea. I I think that gets forgotten sometimes, especially in high school sports. I I know there's still sports that aren't playing or still states that aren't playing high school football right now. So a long time ago, or not that long ago, we're like, are we going to have football? And then we get a couple months into it, and you kind of fast forward past that. So it's good that we're talking about this right now, Rob. It really is, because I wasn't sure, you know, not all that long ago, I wasn't sure if we'd be talking about this in, in October.
0: Or if, you know, you always wonder with the unknowns, if you get through a season. Iowa City obviously had to be sidelined because of the online learning oh, oh, oh online-only learning model, but now back on the field and moving again towards per- perhaps winning a state championship. That's the ultimate goal for everyone. And if we, if we use college football as an indicator, <laughs> I think the, the high school playoffs are going to be wild, man. You can have some upsets going on, some crazy stuff that people don't expect. I
1: agree. And You look at it, too. Like I said, the Iowa City schools, What. What do you make of some of these teams? like I have people ask me that what do you make of a team like West high? I mean they've been they've looked fantastic they're they're three no they're three no you know, and there's other teams that have that are now going into what would this would be the last week so week seven, you know right. so there's other teams that have and it as I do my previews each week um you know before I go to games, it's just it's interesting when you you pull up a team's schedule and you're like, oh they have." They have four games, you know, like either, either they had to miss a couple of games or their opponents had to miss a couple games. And what I think has been really cool is the number of teams that have had to miss games and the number of places that have just, again, just said, Hey, let's just make sure our kids have a chance to play on Friday night. Like we'll come play you, you come play us, you know, Cedar Rapids Jefferson went to West Marshall you know, neither of those schools. When was the last time, you know, yeah. the 4A school went on the road and played, I think they're, 2A maybe but it's like people just saying hey like we have the opportunity to play we're healthy our team's able to play right now like let's make sure we take advantage of these opportunities and I was having lunch with my wife and daughter a couple Fridays ago I just thought this one was so cool we don't cover any of these teams but um I got a tweet somebody tweeted at me and they were like hey West Liberty's looking for this is Friday at like 12 yeah and they're like West Liberty's looking for a game tonight I think I can't remember who they had that night that that found North out they Cedar, had
0: the was it? North yeah, or one of Tipton,
1: Tipton, I think maybe okay. that had to had to quarantine. And I looked at it, and you know, I retweeted it, and I turned to my wife, and, and she was kind of like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Man, you know, these schools have been <laughs> able to pull this off, but I'm like, I don't think you're playing in six hours." You know, yeah. we finish lunch, I get back in my vehicle, we go home, I take my phone out. They already had a game. I think. I think Lisbon went up Lisbon. and played them. Yeah, and I'm like, that's the stuff that just kind of makes you happy. It's like, how incredible is that? I mean, you and you know, you know, you've done this for a long time. You know how football coaches are; they were game planning for that ten days ago. Yeah, and practiced all week to prepare for an <laughs> opponent, and then they're at their lunch. I, I'm just picturing the high school football coach, you know, teaching his fifth period of class, and then being like, "Well, you know, the last four days of practice were preparation." Were out the window, what do we know about this team? They're pulling up stats on the computer just like the rest of us. So
0: Watching video watch a video as they're on the bus going to West Liberty. <laughs> right.
1: right. <laughs> and that's what I think is so cool is it's kind of become that – we all talk about rolling the ball. It's like when we were kids, right? You know, yeah. you're just going to show up and, and play who you play. But I think everybody's done a really pretty good job of, of giving kids opportunities to play.
0: Yeah, it's been cool. And, and, and they obviously, you know, was – great foresight that they decided to let all the teams into the playoffs, knowing that there were going to be some hiccups along the way and they've gotten there, you know, they've, you know, they've navigated those hurdles and now they're moving towards the playoffs. And I think it's going to be wild. You mentioned West high a few minutes ago and kind of how, how will we judge the Trojans, um, you know, having only played three games, but looking really good in those three games and, at the controls for the Trojans is uh, senior quarterback Marcus Morgan. Um, good year for quarterbacks in this state. Is, is this kid the best there is? I,
1: I like that we start this podcast, and that's what, that's what we come up firing <laughs> with, right? It's like, let's get into a good debate where everybody can tell, us, tell me how wrong I am. And it's um, interesting,
0: too, because you sent me that, or, you know, we talked about talking about this, this uh, topic Last night, kind of what some, some items that we could talk about. And uh, I saw on Twitter today that somebody else had the same, had the same idea oh, really? and listed uh, the quarterbacks in the state by quarterback ranking through six weeks. And Marcus leads everybody with a 153 quarterback ranking. He is about three and a half points up up on Jackson Daly from Southeast Polk. And then you have right behind him, Jason Jace Bauer from Ankeny. And I think you could argue that those are three of the best teams in the state. Right. And that's
1: when I did my prep, those are the two that I think most people know about but aside from Marcus, obviously who I cover, but um, is daily and, and Bauer. And then of course, in help me, I'm, I'm totally blanking on this. Um, the Iowa commit from OABCIG who just has phenomenal statistics that plays quarterback for them.
0: Yeah, Cooper um, Dijon, who yes, he's going to play yeah. safety in high school, so I don't think right. people look at him as a quarterback. Right. They should because he's putting right. up video it's, game numbers.
1: Yes. I mean, you have to throw I, – I, you said it well. You have to throw him in that because just, yeah. the, just the, the stats he has are – and he's certainly – I've seen him do all sports. He's certainly a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, I mean
0: – Yeah, if you haven't most, seen that kid – like play basketball, just search videos of him dunking a basketball. He's only like six, six, one. It's, right. it's impressive. But
1: those three guys, especially playing at the highest level in the state, you know, no knock on any other class, obviously, but playing at the highest level, which I mean, four a football in the state is very good. Those three guys. And I sent you that. And I was like, obviously I, I shouldn't say, obviously, I'm going to say that Marcus is, is the best. Like I cover West High, I've had the chance to watch his last two games. And I knew he was a very good player. He's been great the last two years. Kind of took over that job full-time a couple games into his sophomore year. But I think you can make a, not just a case, but a strong case, Rob, that he's the most impactful player in the state, any position. I I really do. and And the reason is, like, he checks all the boxes, you know, as far as you talk to coaches, especially about quarterbacks, and they're going to talk about the intangibles. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not at practice every day. I really, really enjoy talking to him, covering him. He's a really insightful kid. You know, if if you ask him a question and he doesn't agree with you about it, he'll be like, nah, I, I, I don't think so. You know, this is what I saw. He's really insightful. Always enjoy talking to him. But the coaches say, you know, he has all the intangibles. When I see it, he's a winner. You know, he's a leader, et cetera. But and and this is my novice football brain, but what he brings that I think makes him so impactful on offense, uh, he's noticeably bigger this year. He can run, he can escape. He's one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. at it, it scrambling to throw, you know, most kids when they get out of the pocket they're scrambling to run. He really keeps his eyes downfield. Does a great job of that. Some of that stuff that you can't really you can't really coach. Kids kind of have that, but his arm talent, his arm strength nothing you have an entire playbook that you can run and that's the thing with high school football is you know you play to your quarterback strengths and you know at all levels what having a difference maker at that position does yeah. and he's a difference maker but it's just the idea that you can be on one hash mark and every route in the route tree all over the field is available to you as offensive coordinator because he has that type of of arm strength I mean where you want to run out to the opposite hash mark, he'll put it on the money right as the, right as the guy turns around. There's just not that many high school quarterbacks that physically can do that. I mean, you know, he throws a baseball 90 miles an hour. He's, you know, he's a college baseball prospect, obviously, maybe a professional baseball player. So he has that, but I'm a huge stat guy and I'm not going to muddle up our podcast all the time
0: with, <laughs> with stats. Up. I promise. Bring the numbers. But We need, we need statistical backup I, here. I looked this up
1: because I thought this one was super interesting. This includes incomplete passes. So, this includes incomplete passes. On plays that they run that end that with Marcus Morgan throwing a pass or running the football. Okay. So, offensive snaps in which he throws a pass or runs the football, West High ob- averages 9.7 yards per play. Wow. And that includes. That's, good. That's you know, pretty good. So, I mean. <laughs> He's he's thrown for. Fun. I mean, you think about that, and I just yeah. thought about it. How many big plays he's had running and passing? His game against senior the other day, he was uh, twelve of twenty three, I think, which which knocked his completion percentage way down because he'd been like he was thirteen of fourteen against City High, which I thought was the best um, high school performance by a high school quarterback I'd seen in a long time. But against senior the other day, they hadn't practiced and they could get together they hadn't had been able to have official practice with coaches for three weeks and that team you know seniors, very good their top 10 team and he came out and threw for 230 yards and three touchdowns ran for 71 yards and a touchdown and had two interceptions and returned one of them 50 yards for a touchdown yeah he's playing defense too right does he play safety that, yep and that's what i said the most impactful i know there's a ton of kids that that Play both ways. Not as many in four A, but there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Gable Mitchell at City High is on the field for every single every single snap. He's another kid that's super impactful. But Marcus plays a really good safety, and they use him there now. And he's kind of that true old school safety. Like they don't want him up in the box for 50 defensive plays. I don't think, considering how valuable he is. But he's a really good tackler. He really breaks on the ball. Not the one that, the pick six he had was a tip pass, but he had one at the end of the half, last play of the half where. He backpedaled, stuck his foot in the ground, and made a really nice break on the ball. Um, and then he punts. And, you know, I'm sure they'd love to have him return kicks and everything, but he averages over 40 yards a punt, and he's a really good directional kicker. And when you worry about it in high school when you're trying to do some directional kicking with having that, like, 12-yarder off the side of the foot and some of that stuff, he hasn't had one of those. He had a 62-yarder the other day that you know wasn't all balanced when they were backed up to about their 10, only up by, like one touchdown that really flipped field position. He's just a super talented kid, which is why he, you know, is a four-sport athlete at the highest level in the state. But I think you can make a really good case that he has more of an impact on the game than, than any other player in the state. And that's – and as you said, there's really good quarterbacks in the state too and a bunch of really good players too. But he impacts the game, you know, in 85%, 90% of the plays that, that happen in the game. He's out there a lot and has a big impact.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate for him and, you know, other kids in this 2021 class, um, you know, with the the recruiting dead period that's pretty much run since the beginning of this pandemic in March right. and goes through the end of this year. I think had that not happened um, and if he were right now able to take visits like normal, I, I think we'd hear a lot more recruiting hype about him.
1: I do too. and And, you know, It's just going to be really interesting to see what that young man decides to do because again he's so he's so talented and he's such a good. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about him in baseball, and then especially this year for baseball, you saw it even in the major leagues with how how guys um, dealt with pitchers. You know, he's not a hitter, so you can't. I mean, he is a hitter. He's actually a good hitter. I saw him a home run
0: at Liberty this year. Yeah,
1: he's just such a talented kid. Uh, He makes it look really easy, but his future is pitching. Well, when you have a pandemic and you, you know you you don't just throw a guy out there and be like, all right, you know, give us 7 innings today when he's got the type of future that he does. And I just don't think he ever got into a rhythm this summer pitching the way that they wanted him to and you want to you want to be careful. You're never going to, you know, risk anything with his arm and how he felt. And I still saw him be very good a couple of times this summer, but he has a bright future. I think again, as I said, I think he's as good as he is. I think he's like you said, I think he's maybe underrated. I don't even say I don't want to say underrated from a recruiting aspect, but he's playing football at such an incredibly high level right now, like much higher. And then again, he he starts out great. They have three weeks off, you know, right. and so you look at his stats and all those things. And it was already going to be a, a seven game season or whatever instead of nine. So when you look back in the in the stat books, it won't pop. But he is playing football at such an incredibly high level. I would I'd like to see him you know, if he had a year to just play football to see what type of court the stuff that they can do with him in their in in the RPO game is I mean he just he's a nightmare to try to to try to defend the way he runs that and he's he's really good at reading that stuff too and, and kind of rides that handoff to the to the tailback and he has a good set of receivers too you have to give those kids credit. Graham Gory, and, and he's got some Demario Williams he's got some really good receivers but um, he provides a different element to a high school offense than, than what I've seen a quarterback provide in a long time, maybe, maybe ever of me doing this, which is only, you know, 15, 20 years or whatever, but he's a difference maker.
0: You convince me he's the best quarterback in the state. There, in there
1: we go. We're coming out <laughs> hot right away, right off the bat, Rob.
0: Let's move on to number two in the seven nation podcast, which would be city high. Um, tough game at Linmar last week, fell 50 to 36. um, they finish, I, and we should mention um, West has a, a a difficult game against Kennedy this week. We'll we'll For get sure. into the previewing of those games, but we'll just mention who these teams play this week. Um, Iowa City battle this week with our second uh, subject here, City High. Um, they play Liberty, and. Uh, Important game. I mean, one and two and going into this week, Ryan. Why, why is this such an important week for City High?
1: I think it's huge, and I, I really do, because I, talking to the people at City High before the season, you know, after the West game, that was just kind of the – I don't want to say the worst, but that's a bad time to have to sit for three weeks, because they really feel like they've been two and seven the last three years prior to this year, and they really feel like – this, that they were much improved this year. And I've only seen him once. I saw them in that West High game, and I see what they're talking about. They're, they're a much better f- football team than what they have been. They really are. I other like, than, I like uh, their
0: – Other than Hamilton, the quarterback, and some other players, they're pretty young still, aren't they?
1: They're, they're very young. No, a lot of those guys kind of got tossed out there last year, a lot of their linemen, but they've got right. some size up front. They've got some guys at the skill positions. Gable Mitchell's a really good player. Um, Jamari Newsom didn't play against, uh, Linmar, but he's, he's a good running back. Um, they've got some other guys that in the past game, Colby Kutra, he's a senior, but he's a nice tight end. He's a big target. He lives. With I really like, back. I really like, he's a great kid. <laughs> um, they go to our church. He's awesome. But They good really, time. they, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, sorry, but he's I, a good,
0: tar- sorry, I messed he, up your train of thought.
1: No, no he's a good target. <laughs> I think they're much improved and you look at the you look at the way the season plays out for them it's it stinks for all the for all the Iowa City schools you know when you miss three games right. but I think for them it came at a bad time you're coming off that loss because I think that Lindmar is a winnable game for them Lindmar had to sit for their own you know covid they had to sit for covid mm-hmm. but they got back and they had a game you know that Saturday previous they played at Prairie and Prairie got them pretty good, but you've seen that a lot in college. These teams that have had a game, you know, after a layoff or had a game at the start of the year, it's kind of goofy.
0: How much different like, they look. You mean like, like a team that might, might have played, like, Louisiana? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, I know you're giving me a hard, but look at that. No, but much- I mean, that, they lost to Louisiana at home and now have beaten – we're talking about exactly. Iowa State, obviously, but then they go and win at TCU. Exactly. wins at Texas. Exactly. And beat Oklahoma. Exactly. And TCU is a good
1: example of that too. They're yeah. playing their first game against Iowa State. Right. They're trying to figure everything out. Then look how they looked on Friday or on Saturday. Totally right. different looking team, yeah? You know, as an Iowa State fan, I'll take the fact that they looked that they looked, <laughs> you know, not so great their first game, but I think Lindmark came back from that layoff, shook off a little bit, you know, yeah. you're getting hit again, all that stuff. And I think that's a really winnable game for City High that they happen to have after 3 weeks of in they were practicing, and I really commend all the – I mean this. Like all those kids and all those people in that situation, they had people step up and trying to, you know, help get these kids to practice and continue doing something for three weeks. They weren't sitting on their couches. But it's a layoff. They hadn't played a game in three weeks, you know. And, and so they lose that one. I just think this week is huge for them because I think they can win games, it plural, in the playoffs with the right draw. I really do. But two and two feels a lot different than one and three. And and especially when your one win was your first week, that was August, you know, and you're going to play a playoff game in the middle of October, man, it feels like you haven't won a football game for years. I'm sure, you know, that first win probably feels a long time ago. So and Liberty saying the same thing, you know, but I I was going to ask you, this game has become really fun really quickly this liberty city game and like you said we can we can talk more about these in, in another pod but i gotta ask you this you have the natural city west rivalry right i mean that goes back to the 60s i think west
0: opened in the 60s late 60s yeah, early 70s for people that don't we both both of us worked at the press citizen and worked in sports at the press citizen i, I worked there starting in 97 and my main beat was high school football and uh, did a lot of stories on the history of the boot. And those teams were good, man. Those, th- that's yep. when City and West were playing at a high, high level. Um, not that they aren't now, but that was different. They were kind of the teams to beat in the state for a 90s. long time. They, yeah, and, that game uh, was the game. That was, I mean, that was really cool to be around. I've not been to a City High Liberty game yet. So, so I'm not uh, sure what that's like. I would think that the more natural rivalry is West and Liberty right. because it, you have the crossover there. Yes, but it's still Iowa City. I mean, it's still Iowa. I mean, if you were playing, um, you know, one of these schools against Regina, it's still. I mean, it's the community. You're going to be. Right. You're going to be up for it. Right, and that's what I was going to ask you. you you've
1: covered college for a long time, right. so I'm looking as I prep for this. I was like, all right, I'm going to impress Rob here with like <laughs> drop this like
0: you, you know, always always
1: similar college, college, rivalry. So you're right. You have the old school West and in, in city rivalry that goes back years powers. Then you have the, the natural West city high or West, excuse me, West Liberty split, you know, that, that kind of natural rivalry. Right. But this city Liberty rivalry, they played right away, you know, and right. West and Liberty did play, um, you know, until this year when they were in the same class, but, City and Liberty, first varsity game for Liberty is at City High. Super good game. City kind of jumps on and Liberty comes back. City wins that one. Last year, it comes down to a field goal. Basically, it's time expired, 23-20, back and forth game. But what I was going to ask you is, so I, all I could think was, like, one of these has got to be, like, Florida State, Florida, and one of them has got to be, like, Florida State, Miami. Or, like, <laughs> what's the – you know, I mean, because it's, like, you can't compare Iowa and I can't compare it to Iowa and was State. There's only two schools. But it's, like, what is that, like – I'm like, what is this rivalry where you've got, like, the old rivalry? It's got to be one of something like that if you're going to compare it's like, a college one. Or, or is it, like, Ohio State and Michigan are rivals, and then this is, like, Michigan, Michigan State or something like that?
0: Yeah, I like your Florida comparison. I really do, I think, because – and having lived down in Florida for a time, it's very, very pronounced when you're a fan of one of those schools, and there is usually that round robin. Um, right, where everybody's playing each other. So, yeah, I like that comparison. I mean, it can't be – but I think the key is what you said, Ryan. The key to a rivalry is having mm-hmm. memorable games. Great
1: games. And right. the first two have been – and this year should be really, really good too. I couldn't handicap that game right now. Mm-hmm. They're both one and two. But that's what I think is, is seriously like – I, you know, they have a trophy for it already. I think it's the battle for Zeus, they call it. Um but they've kind of added that to. But like you said, it, it, all these kids know each other, right? They play U sports together. They know each other, they see each other around. And that's, that's the cool thing about any good rivalry. If, if people handle it correctly, <laughs> right. You know, like, <laughs> right. I don't know if any rivalries are totally friendly. People use that, but if you handle it correctly, what's fun about it is when, when you know, parents work together, you know, when, when you go into the office yep. and, and there's, you know, half the, half the kids – or half the office has Iowa State stuff on, half the stuff has Iowa on. And you see those people. That's what kind of makes it fun. And I think that's what's fun about these rivalries is, you know, these, these parents work together. The kids know each other. They know each other from all sorts of stuff. They know siblings. But like you said, both games to start this thing have been fantastic. And, and one of these teams is going to have an opportunity to go into the playoffs feeling like at two and two after missing three weeks should feel really good about where they're at because i think both of them can win play, uh, that you know that opening playoff game i think city high can win like i said i really do i think they're much improved i think if they played nine games this year they're definitely going to have you know they're going to push five win. I, I can't tell you their exact schedule but they were going to win football games this year um and i think it's a matter of them playing their best at the right time which is going to be difficult to do when you didn't play for three weeks but they have the talent in the playmakers, I think, to win multiple playoff games.
0: And let's hope, kind of like you were talking about earlier with Linmar, City was able to maybe knock off some rust last week and plays right. better football this week.
1: Right, exactly. And, and the same can be said for Liberty, too. Right. You know, we, can, we can segue into them since we're already talking about that game. I don't know what to make exactly of Liberty, Rob. I mean, so
0: they lost what they lost to a good Cedar Rapids Prairie team last week. Make no mistake about that. Prairie's good, it was 48 14. But, um, like you said, I'll let you take it away. I don't know how you gauge that type of game when Prairie had been continuing to play in Liberty hadn't.
1: And on top of that, um, Prairie runs the single wing, yeah, old, old school single wing. <laughs> if you look at the stats from that game, they had like 35 guys carry the football, I mean, yeah. It's like and you just – you never see it. And you, you can't practice for three weeks. Right. So they come back to practice on Saturday, and it's like, hey, guys, we're going to spend the first couple of days conditioning. And, look, they have good coaches. They, they work, you know, game planning. But it's like you got to spend some time just focusing on yourself. And then when you get into game prep mode, it's like, hey, by the way, we're going to play this team that runs an offense that no one else runs that you've never played against that you'll never play against again unless we play this team. Right. So that's why I said, I don't know what to make of them. You know, they played West high pretty well, really well for a half. That game's 27 zero and West high has shown it's one of the best teams on this side of the state.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, and then they, I was at the game when they played Cedar Rapids Jefferson, which they had a lot of stuff And Cedar Rapids Jefferson is struggling. Don't get me wrong, but I covered that game on a Thursday night. They had a lot of things go wrong. Liberty did. You know, they had some turnovers, Some penalties. They had a lot of stuff go wrong, and they. I. I was really impressed by the way they finished that game. They gutted it out. Um, Jeff got the ball back, had some momentum, chance to go down, win the game. I think they had it about their own forty. Again, that feels like it was two years ago. It was you know a month ago, but they hadn't played in three weeks, and Liberty stepped up and got a pick on the first play of that drive, and you could just feel that their first win as a four A team. You could feel talking to those kids after the game you could, they're coming out of the locker room and you just felt like a sense of not, I don't know if I'd say relief, but just a sense that they'd prove something to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, this could be a, this could be a momentum building win for them. And then, you know, they're not able to play for three weeks. And they had really tough games in that stretch. I think of three weeks, if I remember right, I think they had, I think they had Linmar in there. Um, I think they had maybe Cedar Falls and, and somebody else too, but they're a team that even after seeing them one time, I'm not positive what to make of them. Um, they're working through some quarterback stuff. You know, they didn't complete a pass the first two weeks. And, and, and then, again, so that's, that's not exactly what you want. Not exactly a good time to have a three-week break. Like, there, of course, never is a good time for that. But um, they've played City really well the last two years in season openers, considering that one of those season openers was the first time – their first varsity game ever. Um, I like they. I like their defense. Um, I think they're getting better up front. But they are, to me, a little bit like a lot of these teams on the eastern side of the state where I don't know what to make of the entire eastern side of the state as far as they don't do – excuse me, they don't do strictly like the east-west split anymore for the playoffs. Right. But you have West High and Pleasant Valley at the top. I guess I'm assuming they're both unbeaten. And then you have a bunch of other teams – Cedar Rapids-Washington, Cedar Rapids-Kennedy, Bettendorf, both Dubuque schools. And Dubuque-Hempstead's very good. They're probably maybe a little bit above those teams. Cedar Rapids-Prairie, where I just look at these, some teams have missed some games because of opponents or because of themselves. I don't know how all that shakes out. I really don't. So it'll be interesting. Liberty is a team that I'm really excited to watch this week and then their first playoff game to see how far they've come from where they were at when I saw them, especially offensively. To see how – because I, I think they made some strides offensively against Prairie just looking at the stats. I'm interested to see how far they've come from where they were at a couple weeks ago um, against Cedar Rapids jefferson when I saw them. But I'm not – I don't have a great read on them, kind of like I don't on City High and, truthfully, kind of like I don't on this entire side of the state as far as the hierarchy of where their teams are at. Um, and I think that's kind of just the you, – you chalk it up to the – the type of season it's been, with not like we talked about in the in the intro, not everybody playing mm-hmm. the a straight schedule the way that they have.
0: Yeah, it's a fragmented season, and like we talked about with City High, you hope Liberty got some rust off against Prairie. Should have confidence, as you said, playing City High, being as it's played City High tough the last two years, so it should go into Friday night with you know with confidence.
1: That it, that really should be a great game. I mean, that's probably the game. It, it, Kennedy um, and West always play really good games. They're both really physical. But this is an exciting game. I, I think it's a great opportunity for both those teams. And like I said, they've played such good games the last couple of years, you know it's going to be really competitive, you know, and it's just going to probably be a matter of, of who makes plays late, but, which is what it's been the last couple of years. But that's, been, that's quickly developed into a really cool rivalry. I love it.
0: All right, we're three in and we got four to go. We're going to take a little break here, maybe get a sponsorship plugged into this thing. And also, I need my power cord because my computer is Uh running low on juice. So I'm going to pause us and we'll be back shortly. And we are back. The Seven Nation Podcast. I'm Rob Howe. And I'm joined by Ryan Merkin from Your Prep Sports. And uh, we've gotten, uh, we've discussed West, Iowa City West, City High, and Liberty so far. And uh, the next up is Solon, who uh, you and I were both out at, that, at uh, Solon for the Battle of Highway One uh, last week. And uh, I'm gonna, I don't follow this as closely as you, so I will just say I saw Solon week one against Williamsburg. Man, they've gotten a lot better and found out, I think, who they are. and uh, yes. I was surprised with how well they played, not, not that they played well, but how they seemed in control of that game from the jump.
1: Right. It, you said it perfectly. That, that was the note I took on this one. I hadn't seen – excuse me, I saw him last week as well. I saw him against Vinton last week. And you kind of saw it last week, but they figured out after those first two games ex, in, exactly who they are.
0: And, a lot, and you yeah, but, should mention they they replaced a ton, some well, <laughs> some historically good players in that. Program. That's
1: what I was going That's what I was gonna say. You have a new coach that takes over for <laughs> yeah, a coach that's been there for 19 years. Or I think Kevin right. was there. Kevin Miller was there. For, who's a phenomenal coach. Right. You know, kind of an icon in in the town in, in, in high school football coaching and, and a great person on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, great. But they 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 replace Kevin. They have a new coach come in. You have a pandemic, which, again, we, talk, we don't have to talk about it every time, but you don't get to do everything in the summer that, that, you, that you normally do and in the spring as far as even a lot of it, just team building, getting to know personalities, brand-new coach. I think he got hired in, in April-ish, you know, May, April, May, Lucas Stanton. Um, From where, Anamosa? He was at Anamosa, yep, spent a year at North Cedar, a couple of years at Anamosa. He's, and, and we'll get to this. Lucas, again, great guy. He's a Mount Vernon grad. So this is her first time in this <laughs> game on the that. other side. That's s- a good On story. the other side, yeah, yeah. Um, but – and then you – and then on top of it, like you said, you're replacing a three-year starting – three-year starter at quarterback that's your all-time leading passer, basically holds every passing record in the school. Two, you know, Division one receivers, you know, in, in A.J. Coons and Jace who her, you know, college football players. You you just replaced a, a great senior class, a ton of guys from a state runner-up team. and We've talked about this before I know Rob, but high school football, the cyclical nature of it is you love it when you have a big group of seniors because you feel like you can make a run that year or you, right. you can have a good but then the, the, the thing with that is the next year you come back and you're going to have a bunch of guys that probably didn't get as many snaps as you would a lot you know I mean as you would, would have liked them to get just as far as experience. So everything's new this year for solon. I mean, you know, new coach. Doing things a little bit differently, a ton of new guys on the field, sophomore quarterback. And then you open up with Williamsburg, who is as well coached of a team as you're going to find anywhere, that, you know, and, and is a really tough team. And then you play, um, you know, a 3A, they're sold down to 2A this year. You play a really good Williamsburg team who's number one or number two, depending on what you look at in 2A. In and then the second week, you play a Washington team that's Undefeated, top five and three, a coming off a win over Bettendorf, which is, you know, one of the premier programs on this side of the state for two decades.
0: Right.
1: And, and all of a sudden you're 0-2. And it's like, man, what happened to Solon? You know, who lost a couple games to really good teams? In the last four games, this is their rush. This is what their rushing totals have gone. They've they've won four in a row. You know, they need to win at CPU on Friday to clinch a district championship. They're in, the drive, you know, they're in the driver's seat for that after beating Mount Vernon on Friday and beating previously unbeaten top five Mount Vernon 42 to 14. So they're playing really well, but their rushing totals the last four games, 405 yards, 275 yards, 304 yards, 387 yards. And their number of pass attempt totals goes 2, 13, 8, 8. And, they've, and, and I mean, they're completing passes. Blake Timmons is playing well at quarterback, but they've just figured out what they are. And that is the team that's good up front, that has a quarterback that's dynamic in the run game, and two, you know. Well, he's a sophomore, what, right? Yep. Two playmaking running backs. Yeah. And I wrote about this in my story from the game. You were there, I know. When you get the opening kickoff, and you run it 11 consecutive times and score a touchdown, I mean, against your rival, I mean, that's a tone setter. Yes. And that's what that first drive was, is they came out and, I mean, and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, quarterback scrambles or, or bootlegs. I mean, it was, and, and they're in the shotgun a lot. You know, they that's kind of what they do. But it was just, you know, some inside zone and, and some off tackle outside of that. I mean, it was just, they came out and ran it 11 straight times. Um, and that was set the tone. And that's an undefeated, you know, 5-0 and Mount Vernon team coming in. That's a good team. And that's it's what
0: – I mean, you're Mount Vernon. You're, you're top five. You're rolling. You've lost 17 in a row to your rival. And then, boom, 18 in a row. How? T- I mean, you've been around for – you know, quite a bit of this this run for Solon over Mount Vernon. I remember the old days of Coach Hansen and Coach Bellamy. <laughs> Coach Bellamy was crusty, man. He was one of those old crusty coaches. And Ed Hanson would I remember interviewing him. Well, we'd have to go away from the field so he could smoke a cigarette while he was doing interviews. But uh just a, a great rivalry. I tweeted at uh, Tristan Wirfs and and Tyler Linderbaum <laughs> the other day, great players that have been in this rivalry. And just – I'm, I'm pretty impressed 18 in a row. That, that's, that's something.
1: Well, and absolutely. I mean, I don't – we were talking – joking around about rivalries before. Right. I mean, you go any level. Rivalry games, what's everybody always say? You know, you kind of throw the records out the window, et cetera. To win 18 in a row – because this is a rivalry. These kids – you know, Lucas said after the game, you know, he's a Mount Vernon guy. He's like, our kids really like this rivalry. Um and and you can tell they do. It's it's two towns. I think these rivalries. Don't get me wrong. I was in high school in the boot, you know, the '90s. That was the game, man. And you've got Valley and Dowling, and but you've covered high school sports too. These towns this size, like you know, this this kind of two A three A town, that really take a ton of pride in their high school athletics. These rivalries are great, yeah, you know, I mean, because you have that 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 you're. You have that town pride kind of too, you know, it's not just like a side of town. Um, this, is, this rivalry is really cool. Their the schools are seven miles apart, eight miles apart. You know, if you're from Solon, you know, Mount Vernon people, Mount Vernon people know Solon people. But I just think that's really impressive. And what makes it really impressive too, Rob, is I went back and looked, you, it goes back, you know, I, I started covering it in 2013 into, you know, seven years. But you go back in these 18 years and you look at Mount Vernon's teams during that stretch and you know, they're four and five last year, five and four the year before that nine and two, nine and three, 12 and two, six and five. I mean, Solon's hasn't won this over a bunch of one and two right. win Mount Vernon teams. I mean, you know, these are basically While the whole time I've been here. Mount Vernon's been really good. They had a dome team in there. I think that was that 2015 team. Um, the best game that I've seen in the rivalry was 2016. That was a, a Tristan Wirf's um team. And that was 26-21. I remember that game. I think Solon was up like twenty to six maybe at halftime or twenty to seven. And then it was twenty-six to to six. Maybe I think they returned a, a kickoff for a touchdown. Somebody from Solon can can <laughs> correct my memory or Mount Vernon. I'm sure but they'll then, let know. But then they <laughs> Mount Vernon really got their run game going. You know, obviously I'm sure Wurf's played a big role in that. He's pretty I mean, just, good. Oh, my gosh. He was an okay high school football player. He, uh, I mean, he's he's <laughs> starting in
0: the NFL. Oh, he and he's graded
1: his, out incredible.
0: He's, he's the highest graded right tackle, like, in football right, right. now. Does it, su- does it
1: surprise you, though? I mean, talk about just a – No, I, but again, it, again. it
0: confirms what we thought. Like, when we watched him in high school, we're like, holy crap.
1: Right. This kid I remember
0: – unreal and now where he's confirming what we all saw.
1: I remember talking to you because you know like a lot of people that that saw Tristan in in high school you know you watched him wrestle you watched him do all this stuff but I remember talking to you at Drake Stadium and I can't remember if it was Drake or um, or State but we were standing over I think it was uh, Drake Relays because he had an incredible shot um, shot put battle with Jared Brinkman another great high school you know high school athlete but we were just looking at each other like you're watching him and it's just so effortless. I mean, it's like, he's casually, it's like me and you casually having a chat while we toss a baseball back and forth and he's throwing this shot, but 70 feet, like it's like, he just made it look like it was the easiest thing in the world, but incredible athlete. Yeah, Um,
0: That's a great rivalry. It was good to see, uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the uncertainty of high school football this, this season, you know, with the pandemic and I, I, you know, seeing that game and seeing how, you know, excited the kids were to play that it kind of gives you, you know, it, it reaffirms how important this is to people who put in a lot of time and effort to make it happen. And, and those right. rivalries are special.
1: Right. And what was really cool this year is, you know, they're in the same class for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, Solon won some, some of those state titles um, in two A, uh, But it was cool this year. And I know coach Stanton brought this up after the game. When they played that for a long time, they kept it. Uh, they kept that rivalry going and it would always be in the first, I think a lot of times it was week two. Solon opened with Regina a lot. So this mm-hmm. game would be, you know, first, second, maybe third week of the season, but to have it this late, and, you know, everybody has this feel, I think, a little bit. It started to feel a little bit like football, Rob, the last couple of weeks. It's a little bit chillier. It's getting dark a little bit right. earlier. And then you have, a, you have this game where it's for, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's for a district championship. You have a 5-0 and o team, another team that's won three games in a row. It's late in the season. It's two rivals playing. That's, these games are always great. You play them in week one. You play them on a neutral field, which they don't, but you play them anywhere. And Solon and Mount Vernon are, g- are going to get after it. You know, they just are. But to have that game late in the fall, late in the schedule with, with higher stakes, it, it, that, and these are two teams that can play again in the playoffs. Certainly, yeah. if they're going to keep geography a big factor of it, you know, that would be incredibly fun. Because um, it ended up 42 14. Solon's playing really well. They rushed for 387 yards, they were super impressive. I'm, if I'm stolen. I wouldn't want to play Mount Vernon again. They've got a good quarterback. They're explosive in the past game. And I think it just took them a little bit in that game. I don't think they'd seen a team up front that was going to impo- try to impose their will the way that Solon did. Just, and I, you know, that's no slight to anybody else in their schedule, but I think Solon's done that to a lot of teams. I think they were catching Solon at a time where they felt really good about the rhythm they were getting into offensively. I think if they played again, they'd be a little bit more prepared for that now. You can be prepared, but you still got to be able to, to stop it because Solon was really impressive in their run game. Their offensive line played really, really well, um, and they've got a lot of seniors there. That was the one thing with that team that they brought back. They brought back several guys on the offensive line. Um, Zach Hart played a lot last year. Nash Altman played a lot last year, um, and I'm forgetting another. I'm forgetting somebody else that played a lot last year. But they brought back some guys on that on that offensive front. And then Caden Knipper is a young guy that's, that I think he got pulled up at the end of last year to varsity, and he's really um, become a very good lineman for him. Gage Marty um, is, plays guard, and he does a good job for him. So I think that's the strength, and I think them figuring out that that's their strength and what they are has um, really, like you said, they've formed an identity, and this is the time of the year that you need to do that.
0: And as you mentioned earlier, they will uh... – Spartans will go for five in a row and can clinch a district title up at center point of this week, so we wish the Spartans luck. We skip uh, or we move from one team that's uh, hot to another team that's hot. Clear Creek Amanda, now four and two cool. after its third straight victory, 37 to 7 over Oskaloosa. Um, another team that seems to be hitting its stride, Ryan. Is this a team that can uh, maybe do some damage in the playoffs?
1: Absolutely. There, if you're looking for a team in 3A that's quote-unquote under the radar, that can, that can really make a postseason run. And I don't mean – and again, we don't know exactly how the postseason is going to set up. But, I mean, I told – I talked to Coach Gabe Baker a couple weeks ago, and I thought – he kind of confirmed this. He had a similar feeling. I thought their schedule set up really well for them this year in terms of when they had their big games. So they opened with a game at Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant's a good team. They lose that game by a point in a game, and, and were negative three in turnovers. So yeah. they turned it over three times, didn't have one. So you know they lost. You're not going to make excuses for it, but at the same time, that's a game they probably could have won on the road. They beat Muscatine, and then they have Xavier in their in their district opener, which I thought this is what I thought set up so well for them. I thought that was the in a, in a season like this where everybody gets into the playoffs, a loss in week three isn't a potential season ender for, or you know what I mean, isn't going right. to prevent you from getting into the playoffs. I thought that was the perfect time for them to play the team that, you know, is the gold standard in 3A. And, and I mean, has been for a while. I mean, it, I think everybody says every year, you know, Western, it was Western Dubuque and Solon last year in the finals. I still think everybody looks when the old brackets used to come out, where's Xavier? And they're, they're the gold standard 3A program in this state and have been since they dropped down to 3A. So to get a team like that in week three with basically no consequences if you lose that, you know, I thought that was perfect for them to say, let's see where we're at. Let's see how we stack up. Let's see what we can do. And talking to them, they didn't say – talking to the kids about it in in – you know Coach Baker, they didn't say, oh, we should have won. We could have won, whatever. They just they saw that. They felt like they didn't get some breaks in that game. And they were dealing with some injuries. But I th- I think as much as you can, I think it was 30 to seven maybe, Rob. But I think they came out of that feeling like they got a really good sense of where they were and, and where they needed to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they've outscored their last three opponents something like 127 to 24 and been really impressive, taking care of business against teams they should. I think – and they have a – real uh, Friday will be a good kind of test for them to see where they're at again, see where they've come from Xavier. Grinnell's a good team. They have, uh, they have former West High coach Brian Souser as their head coach. Um, they have a running back that leads the state in rushing yards. He has like 1,500 rushing yards in seven in six games and like 24 touchdowns. He's a big physical kid. They have a big line, so it'll be a good test to see how Clear Creek, how far they've come from that Xavier game. But I think that they're the team. They have a lot of the things that I look for when you're talking about a team that can make a run in the postseason. It, it, as as maybe I don't know if you want to call them an underdog, but obviously, you know, you look at the top two or three teams in the state. You obviously expect them to win postseason games, but some that can be that kind of team that's that's a slip, postseason sleeper. They have. A really, really good coaching staff. Gabe and his staff do a tremendous job. They're going to be well coached. They're going to be well prepared. That's number one. Number two, they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of experienced guys. Alex Figueroa at running back. Ryan Devara, TJ Bowlers. Obviously, they have a lot of guys that have played a ton of RC football. A lot of those guys got kind of tossed out there as Nate Beckman. A lot of those guys got got tossed out there as underclassmen. Played a lot the last couple years. They're really experienced, and then. They play good defense. Uh, they've given up some rush yards this year. That's something maybe that you could say they could improve on. But offensively, they've got – they're explosive offensively. And what
0: I really like about them is they can they, – they have – they're really balanced. balanced. They're yes. really balanced. That's what I was they thinking are. in my head when I saw them yep. play Benton. They put – they stress defenses because you have to respect the run and Absolutely. the pass.
1: They have, I think, three guys that have more than 180 yards receiving. You know, and we're talking about what now? This is going into week seven, so a six-game season, six-game regular season. Um, has really come a long way as a quarterback. He's playing really, really well. He can really really spin it. But he's added enough of a running element, you know, in his game. Figueroa has, like, I think 750 yards rushing. They can run it on you. They can pass it on you. And then they really have – four or five guys in the passing game that they feel really good about. They have some guys that can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. They have some guys that they can run on some underneath stuff. You said it really well. I just I, – they, they present a lot of problems for a defense. I think they're pretty good up front. Um, they had some injuries. They ended up moving T.J. Bowlers to tackle, and I think that he's provided something to them there. I mean, he's a great tight end, absolutely great high school tight end, but you've watched T.J. enough to know he's a difference maker. Yep. wherever you line him up. And I think he's kind of gotten comfortable in that spot. They're running the ball well. They throw the ball well. I really think they're a team that can put up points on anyone. Defense is going to win you games in the postseason. I totally agree with that. They play good defense. But they're going to stress teams defensively, and they can hit big plays. And, again, the coaching side of it is a big thing for me. They're always really well prepared. They're, what I like about them, too, is they've always got an exotic for you coach <laughs> baker always said i mean really you know he's always got a, a flea flicker or some kind of a double pass or whatever and the, if i'm an opponent i would be really worried about playing them because i feel like they're a team that you're in a game and it's 7-7 and all of a sudden you turn around and you look at the scoreboard and it's 28-7 in the middle of the third quarter and you're kind of like you know what what happened a little bit they can hit big plays they can they feed off momentum and then with the coaching thing the the players have really bought in. To that program and i feel like they're really playing again after the xavier game i feel like they're really playing with a ton of confidence which you look at this time of year it's you mentioned it we're gonna harp on it all the time there's gonna be some craziness that happens and i think a team that goes in to the playoffs believing that they can beat anybody is a really dangerous team and i i love you said it well i think they're a team that can really make some noise in the postseason Rob. i'm really excited to watch what they can do over the next few weeks
0: yeah, interested to see what happens with that Grinnell game this week. Uh, and while we're – let's stick with more hot teams in the area here on, on the Seven Nation podcast. Regina, uh, we talked about the craziness of the schedule, plays Pleasant Valley to open the season, and people are like, oh, no, what's wrong with Regina? Well, they're playing a 4A-ranked team. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, Regals have, have run off five in a row here. Um obviously serve notice that it's uh, that, that you, you know they're, they're a force to be reckoned with here again in terms of the state title picture best team in, in Class A I don't
1: know because I haven't had a Class A team Rob they were always 1a with West Branch right since you, since we started your prep sports I haven't covered Class A so when I'm up at the dome and we've had a dome team every year I'm the type of guy because I'm a Dork. I'll go up there and just watch all the games that day. You know, I don't know that I've watched an A game because it just kind of gives you the sense of like what the teams at that what a dome team looks like. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's three A, four A, right? And I, I still stand by that. Like you watch a couple games up there, you can see what those types of teams have. I don't know, but I know good football teams. I've talked to people. I haven't seen them. Grundy Center. I know it has a really nice team. Saint Ansgar. I think both those two teams are undefeated. I'm sure there's really good class a teams out there and i i'm not just saying that but i've learned I've, i mean as you know doing this over seven eight nine ten years when Regina's is good they're really good and same thing we talked about with clear creek the coaching staff is second to it's elite at that level marv cook obviously but jason dumont and ed hinkle do such an incredible job with their you know with the offense and the defense there as well with you know working with marv and
0: you got former Hawkeyes on this. Other former Hawkeyes added this year. Matt Vandenberg is, has added and Drew yep. Cook.
1: Yep. He knows a little just,
0: bit about winning state championships is back and helping out.
1: We were talking about Marcus Morgan before. Apologies to Drew. I admit it. You know, I was talking <laughs> about the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. Different type of quarterback, but man. Yeah. Talk about a guy that could push the ball around the field too. I mean, but they just, when I shouldn't say when they're good, they're always good. But I just, I've learned, don't, don't pick against Regina. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to ask me if they're the team to beat. Of course they are. I mean, it gets to the postseason. They're going to be so well prepared. Their coaching staff did such a good job last year, Rob, of getting them to the Unidome. They were banged up with what they were piecing things together. And they, you know, they beat West Branch in that quarterfinal. I mean, I, I really think they maxed out last year getting to the 1A semifinals. They play that game, they don't have Alec Wick, who, you know, forget about classes. He's one of the best receivers in the state. Climbers, he incred- no doubt. He's incredible. Um, Ash, they're without him in that quarter or in that semifinal last year against Van Meter, and it kind of got away from them. But they maxed out last year getting to that game. This year, if they max out, they're gonna win it. That's my opinion. They're dealing with some injuries again this year, but that with what they have in their offensive trio and, and i'm going to say small schools again i can't speak super intelligently to class a and to, you know as as just a group class a because i haven't watched a lot but you're talking any small schools you know 1a a, a a player i don't know that you're going to have a better offensive trio than ashton cook at quarterback alec wicket receiver and theo coley has really really given them a giant boost in the run game I mean he's become a really dynamic part of that offense too now, like, you really said, came on, clear,
0: like you said with clear creek it's that balance it stresses yes. the defense I watched yep. them play I watched the first half against Lisbon and it just you have to prepare for a lot
1: they can hit you because again I'm not going to harp on this forever but Alec Wick is so good mm-hmm. I mean you can't at that level you can't single cover him you can't even really I mean you got to put you got to build your defense around trying to stop him because he'll go crazy. I mean, he'll have 200, 200 yards and three touchdowns. And what Coley's brought to their running game, he was really good at the end of last year. He's really explosive. And then Ashton Cook is just, again, make all the throws, you know, has played for four years. That's the other thing. You talk about experience. Wick, um, Wick Cook, they have a ton of guys that got put in there, you know, early in their careers. They've played a ton of football. I think getting to the Dome last year was really big for them. Mm-hmm. They hadn't been there in a couple of years. And that's the thing, and I talk to Marv a lot about this, when you're building a program like this, it's not new for anybody ever. When you're going every year, which they were, you get there, there's not that, like, initial, like, even, even kids that didn't play a central role in the game the year before, they've got the routine down, right? They've gotten up. on the, those, those games in the past, and Class A will be a different schedule now, but in 1A they always had those morning games. You know, yeah. in the semifinals, and they'd done the routine before. They'd gotten on the bus, they'd eaten, they'd gone up there, they'd walked into this big giant building. You know, it's different. You play on the turf, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think getting, I think that's part of what puts them ahead in that race. In a right now, they got there last year. They're not going to be awestruck by it. Those guys have played there. I think they're better up front this year than they were maybe last year. Um, but they just, it, it, it made me smile when you said it. The last couple years. I've had people ask me, or you, you feel like it's the sentiment early on in the season, man, what's up with Regina? Because they would lose to Cedar Rapids Xavier. You know, and this is actually a credit to Regina. They won so many of those games, you know, in yeah. in the in, from 2010 and on, and even before that, they won so many games against the Solons, the Xaviers or they were in those games a couple years where they maybe lost them by a touchdown, that you get conditioned to it that, Class 1A schools aren't supposed to go beat right. 3A champions and 3A semifinalists and 3A powerhouses. It doesn't happen all the time. And they made it common that then this year they lose to a team that's, that they add to the schedule late, that again, talk about a, late, a, a tough late add. Pleasant Valley runs the wishbone, and they run it really well, and their coach has been there for a long time. And you see something like that, and you don't have a long time to prepare for it, and now you look and I think they're six and0 um, I'm pretty sure I know they were five 0 no, I'm pretty sure they won last. yeah, week they're still on I think so they're a really good team and then you come out of that and, and you kind of, I kind of got the sense that people were like, oh man, like you said is what's wrong with Regina and it's like because you've been so conditioned to them <laughs> that they're going to go you know beat these bigger teams and yeah. it's like you know they they'll be fine and then they got a really nice win in week two up at Clear Lake who's a, who's a really good two-way program so yeah they're just fine they're going to go into the playoffs and you know we we'll, we'll see what they're when they get a little bit further cuz obviously they should be playing you know deep into the playoffs again but like i said they haven't won it the last couple of years i get that but to me i talked about xavier being the gold standard i think regina is still the gold standard for you know small small school small class football in the state you got to beat them it's a little bit like the Dowling thing, you know. They're not yeah. going to beat themselves. So you're, going to have to come, you're going to have to come beat them. And I think this year, they're the team that, that people are chasing right now. And another thing, Rob, quickly about them, during a lot of those years, the, playing those games early against the Xaviers, against the Solons, they had it this year with the Pleasant Valley, with the Clear Lake. That's a big benefit for them because you see – I talked about it with Clear Creek and Xavier in week three. You see right away – this is what level we have to be at, you know, pad level, all this stuff, you know, execution, um, just playing hard. Cause those teams are going to bring it, you know, and you see you have to take it to another level. And then you've kind of got that time to, to get there. And they've obviously gotten there pretty quickly this year.
0: And we'll wrap things up uh, with another team. That's hot <laughs> three in a row for, for West branch. Um, tough one last week, 28, 21 against Durant. Um, what do you think about this bear team? Um, I saw them, what was that week two down uh, and they played a, a, you know, a pretty good West Liberty team, pretty tough, came up short in that one, but like you talked about with some of these other schools, a lot of these schools in this area, Ryan, that have been really battle-tested so far. I think you can say the same about Westbridge.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think I saw the light bulb come on for them. I really do. I, I had them in week three. Um, and that, that was the rain week, um, if wim-
0: you will. I wimped out on that one. I was supposed it, to shoot photos, and I wimped out.
1: I don't blame you. That, <laughs> that week was tough. I mean – we had games all over. Solon was at Union. I can't remember what else we had. Uh, Clear Creek was at Xavier. And I mean, it, it was inescapable. The whole state was covered in like a green, yeah. like the radar was just, I just quit looking at it because you were just going to get wet. But um, they played at Solon. They played Cascade at Solon. And in, in what ended up being kind of a weird game, they were down 21-0, came back and had a chance, you know, at the ball, like the 35-yard line to go in and tie it. Um, and I you look at the stats after that game, and they, they, it, it basically looked like they should have won as I totaled up the stats. It was a weird game. Um, Cascade had a pick six. Um, but that was – they were without Gavin Hirschman, their quarterback for West Liberty. That was yeah, I should mention, game.
0: yeah, he missed that West Liberty yeah. game. That, that. And that was his I first game back. And
1: he, he threw it like 50 times, mm-hmm. which Gavin, I, he's a great quarterback. He can really throw it. But that's not – West Branch isn't throwing it 50 times. That's not their M.O. No. Um, and I think they were kind of like what we talked about with Stone. I think they were still kind of trying to figure out exactly what they were going to be. They replaced a lot. I mean, from last year, they replaced a really good big senior class and some key guys, tailback receiver, a couple guys on the line. I felt like they were kind of feeling it out that game the next week. Uh, they were at Wilton and I went over there and that just felt like a light bulb game for me. Uh, or, I thought it would be a really good game, which is why I went over there. And I have some family over in that area, so I kind of made a, made a trip of it and, and saw some family and stuff, which was really fun. But I thought that would be a really good game. And, it I mean, frankly, it wasn't. They came out and, I mean, they dominated that game. And it's one of those ones where I'm driving home that night and I'm kind of like, you know, who does this say more about? Well, you know, Wilton's played well after that. Mm-hmm. They played Beckman who's undefeated in, in district play, and that's who West Branch has this week, but they played them tough last week. I think that was just kind of the light bulb game for, for um, West Branch, where it all kind of came together. Um, I think Gavin Hirschman's gotten a little bit more healthy as the seasons went on. He was really good in that game. Uh, and then they went up to Maquoketa Valley the week after that in a COVID uh, schedule switch game. But I, I like... Again, very similar to what we talked about with Solon. I think they've figured out kind of what they are. They're really good on defense. Um, West Branch teams are always really good on defense, but they're playing really well. Jeff Bowie, I, I know you've watched Jeff. We talked about some other guys. He's a difference maker. You have to scheme around him. I mean, he just is he's so disruptive on that defensive line. And when you can be disruptive on the defensive line in high school football, you're going to give yourself a chance in every game. Um, Durant has a really good sophomore running back, Nolan DeLong, and I think he was leading 1A. He was right around 900 yards rushing, and I think West Branch held him to 20. Wow. And so, I mean, they just really controlled that. I wasn't there. I didn't watch it, but statistically really controlled that game up front. And I think they figured out what they are a little bit as far as um, being a team that can kind of control the clock a little bit, get some big plays on offense maybe. But they have a really good quarterback in Hirschman. Uh, they have a sophomore running back, Andy Henson, that, that they really like. He's gotten much better, I think, as the season has gone on. He's, I mean, again, you're talking about guys coming in that they really like, and it's their first season of varsity football. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's really improved. Um, and I think defensively is where they've made their biggest improvement. I know that their coaches weren't happy with how they played defensively um, that night at West Liberty. In um, West Liberty's got a really talented yeah. running back. You were there that night.
0: Yeah, that kid's good. He
1: had, yes, he's very good. Um, and I think he had like 270, 280 on him, which that's what West Branch usually gives up in like two or three games to a
0: team. You know, that was they, the most surprising thing for me is you hardly ever see West Branch give up big plays on defense. Yes. They may bend yes. a little bit, but those were big plays. Right. That's what, what surprised right. me the most.
1: And they just their coaches talked a lot about being more physical. And I know they thought they made big strides in that after I talked to them about that Cascade game. It felt a little fluky. Cascade's a really good team. Um, but you saw it in that Wilton game. They were just much more physical. They're, they'll have a test this week. This Beckman game will be interesting. It's on the road. You know, it's their third straight road game. Um, but they're another team. It's just – I smile when I say this because it's, it's so West Branch, right? You know at the end of the year they're going to be playing well and they're going to be in position – Win playoff games. It's just the way that it seems to always be. A couple, a couple of those years. I remember three or four years ago, they played like everybody on the team at quarterback has had injury after injury (laughs) after injury, and um, Cooper Cabla who was like their you know all state tight end, ends up playing quarterback at the end. But but still, and they I think they ran into Regina that year. But still, at the end of the year, they rattle off you know two three wins, and you're like, man, they look they look really good now. And I think they figured it out in that Wilton game. Again, the playoffs are going to be different this year. It's gonna be interesting. But they're a team that lost two in a row early, that has a chance to go in, you know, winning four in a row, feeling really good about themselves. And if they get a win this weekend, they probably put themselves in a good position seating wise as far as who they get in those first couple of rounds. I think they're similar to Clear Creek in that playing your and Solon, playing your best at this time of year, it's gonna give you a chance to win playoff games. And that's where they're gonna be. And then they're a little bit different where they kind of hang their hat. Um, defensively, and they've really made big strides defensively. Even between the Cascade game, which I thought they were good in that Wilton game, I mean, they were dominant defensively, and that Wilton team has put up points against basically everybody else they've played. So I think they're in in a really good spot for them going into the playoffs. Defense will win you games, and they have some difference
0: makers on that defense. Man, Ryan, it sounds like we could have a really, really interesting – next month here with the playoffs. Well, Cause it sounds like these, you know, we just went through all seven teams and it sounds like they all have a chance to, to make some noise here in the playoffs.
1: And I was just doing that as I sent you kind of, you know, these are the things that we can talk about, sent you some talking right. points. I looked down and I'm like, West is three, and O. you know, West branch is one, three in a row. Solon's one, four in a row, Regina's one, five in a row, right. Fair Creek's one, three in a row. And then you look at, some of the losses that those teams have, you know, people – those teams don't have – you know, Regina, obviously, we just said, lost to a 4A team. You look at where you expect them to be. You know, Clear, Creek, Clear Creek's got a one-point loss and a, a loss to the number one-ranked team. Solon's got a loss to two yeah. top five teams. You look at it and you're kind of like, wow. I mean, if it, if it does set up the way that I think it will, where you have some buys early, you know, some of the higher-seeded seated or higher seated teams have buys early. We could be looking at a lot of teams that have buys, Rob. And then when you have those four person pods or whatever, we could be looking at a lot of teams in our area. Most of the teams in our area advancing out of that, to that second one, you know, and and having their seasons alive into, you know, November. I I can't, I don't have the calendar right in front of me, but playing football for a long time. So we're just getting started. It's like the big 10. We're just getting started with, (laughs) with playing football. Like, as long as it's not like last year when we had snow, I know a lot of places that were playing late last year, Solon was shoveling snow off their field multiple times in October. Because so. I, I don't know, think I'm going to really get yeah, you on the sidelines I, if there's snow down there.
0: As much as I don't like being in the snow and being cold, man, snow is cool for photos.
1: Snow photos
0: are great. <laughs> yeah, you, you were
1: at uh, uh, Liberty Solon playoff game last year, I believe. Yes, and there was like, and there was like some, I don't know if it's snow or th- it like was the miserable misting rain. But those shots and the lights, you know, you get the the precipitation with the stadium lights behind it. It's like that. Those that are that awesome. Was,
0: I think I went, I did the, the first half of that game, and then I think I drove over to West Branch.
1: Yeah, you did. That night yeah. too, and it was crazy. Yeah.
0: It was not nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is people have been saying, oh, you know, like. We've been missing you, or whatever. Well, I've been sitting outside in a lot of these, you know, at like a Kingston or like up at Dalzell Field in Dubuque. It's like I just grab a corner of the bleachers at these big stadiums and spread my stuff out. Well, I mean, I'm not doing that when it's five degrees out. So I mean, <laughs> everybody gives me a hard time, or the, the writers a hard time. It's like you're in the people are like, oh, you know, did you put your put your long johns on? I'm like, no, I'm just sitting in the press box. Like, where's my
0: space heater? Yeah, like, there's need, nothing worse than trying Trying to type with cold fingers, man, or shoot photos with cold fingers, and I'm like unable to hit the shutter because my fingers frozen. <laughs> so, man, when I started doing
1: this in Nebraska, um, we, 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 uh, the paper I worked at was in a fairly rural area. We had a lot of eight man teams in Nebraska. Actually, covered th- this game was actually at uh, Drew Otts High School that went oh. on to play at Iowa, but at Giltner, they played a playoff game where, um, it was a really good game, like two, you know, top three or four teams, but it rained the whole time. And I was – they were talking about it being, like, blizzard-like conditions because they were like, we could get, like, a foot of snow and the wind's going to blow really hard. It just depends on when it switches over from rain to snow. And so these eight-man teams, like, none of them had press box – I mean, they had press boxes, but they are like – you could fit, like, three people up there. Like they the old were
0: West uh, Branch, Pat. The old West Branch?
1: I mean, smaller – I mean, they're just – it's like a really yeah. skinny pole building. And it's like, you know, it's the clock operator. And you know, it really is like right. the game personnel. So, we would just walk the sidelines. I mean, that's how I learned to do that. And, and at the eight-man schools, there's only, you know, a handful of kids on the sideline. They've got 25 right. kids on the roster. So, you can dodge and get around. And So, I've got my clipboard covered with like a, like a um, garbage sack, you know, trying to like keep it dry. <laughs> it rained – like 32.1 degree rain for the entire game. And our photographer had photos of this. There were icicles on the goalpost. that were like a foot long because it it was just freezing. I mean, my car was just – I just got in my car and just started the heater and just sat there for like an hour and a half and typed my story until it it took that entire time to melt. Like my car was just formed into like an igloo of ice. But that was the most miserable – I just prayed the whole time that it would start snowing because yeah. snow is a lot easier than, than 32 degree rain, you Without know? Questions.
0: Well, now you can, I hope it doesn't snow or rain or any of those <laughs> things for the playoffs, but whatever, weather we have, it sounds like we're going to have some really good football and something to look forward to. And I hope people come back and, and continue to listen to this. We're going to try to do a, uh, we won't try. We will maybe on Wednesday of this week. Uh, which would be October the 7th preview this week's games. And maybe we'll do these on Mondays where we we'll kind of look back a little bit and then preview the games on Wednesdays. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to be adding as much uh, new type of uh, bell and whistle content uh, as much as we can here at your prep sports. So hopefully the, uh, the users and, and people who visit the site enjoy the, enjoy the additions. Yeah, we'll try
1: to, And we'll try to make this one maybe more where we can talk to some individual players or matchups or something as we go forward a little bit or look at some questions kind of things. And this time it's like we kind of wanted it to be broad, I think, Rob, as as it was kind of our first time. But um, we'll try to preview some of those games. That will give me a chance to give people a bunch of useless stat information that nobody wants to hear. People love numbers. I'm big into the stat stuff, but I'm looking forward to that one. As we go forward, just because what I think is really cool about the playoffs is you get these matchups um, that you don't traditionally have. Now, it'll be, again, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I think they're going to try to use geography, you know, in this COVID season as much as they can. But we could have some rematches. We could have some really interesting matchups. Um, so I think it'll be fun to kind of preview those and let let people know um, maybe what to expect from these teams a little bit that you don't play year in and year out. So we can maybe take a look at how we think some of those teams match up too, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it, Rob.
0: I am as well. And I I, uh, like to thank everybody for listening to the inaugural uh, maiden voyage here of the seven nation podcast and look forward to these every Monday moving forward. And we'll go through basketball season. We're going to hit on other sports. So don't think like we're going to overlook your sport. We're going to try to, mingle in some some more sports here football's the the front porch right now because we're heading into the playoffs but we're going to hit on all sports moving forward so thanks for joining us great stuff ryan and uh we'll be back later this week with the football preview podcast and uh we'll continue to do this going forward so thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you soon